Let's look in uh, Philemon, uh, just one chapter, so uh, no need to identify a chapter there. But let's look in verse number 15. Uh, and I want us to, to focus in on a key word that Paul uses uh, here in this, first, uh, this 15th verse. Uh, but we'll read verses 15 and verse number 16. He says, for, for perhaps he, speaking of Onesimus, therefore departed for a season, that thou shouldest receive him forever, not now as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved, specially to me, but how much more unto thee, both in the flesh and in the Lord. I'd like to talk to you tonight about the topic or the subject of seasons. Seasons. What is your favorite season? I would say probably most of us have one. As a younger man, pre, pre-children, my favorite season I think was winter. I loved winter. Then I had kids and I hate winter. <laughs> I've also gotten older. I've also had my own property. So now I got to shovel my own driveway and do all of those things myself. And, and so winter has has a very steadily declined in my list of favorite seasons. But what is your favorite season? You have one in mind? A, a time of year that you like the best? Some like, uh, some like fall. Fall's on the horizon. It's coming. They like fall because of hay rides and football games and maybe because of apple cider. Others like winter because of Christmas and fireplaces and hot chocolate. Many people like spring because of the blooming of flowers and trees and the celebration of the resurrection and, uh, and, the, uh, and new life uh, springing up during that particular season. And probably among, among many of us who live here in Northeast Ohio, we prefer summer because of vacations and swimming and fireworks and cookouts. You know, Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter number three and verse number one, to everything there is a season and a time to every purpose under the heaven. You're familiar with that passage of scripture, I would imagine, and it's so very true. Where are we right now as a, as a people? Well, right now we are in the last days, the waning days of the summer season. I hate to disappoint you all. I hate to break that to you, but that is the truth. Mid-August means that summer is quickly coming to an end. In the next few weeks, most schools will resume educating students and and of course, that helps us to turn the page on another summer season. I'm, I'm noticing some additional signs that the summer season is drawing to a close. Some things that I've observed, and maybe you've observed some of these things as well. I, I, I've noticed that daylight hours are decreasing. Have you noticed that? During the, during the summer season, I normally get out of bed about six in the morning. And, and uh, during a, a significant portion of the summer, you know, when that alarm goes off at six, I mean, it's pretty bright, but I'm noticing, I'm noticing when my alarm clock goes off at 6 a.m. now, I'm noticing that it's not nearly as bright as it's been. You know, that tells me, it tells me summer is coming to a close. There's, a, there's another sign that I've picked up on, and that is the, uh, uh, that is the temperature seem to be, seem to be dipping just a little, especially in the morning hours. When I'll come out to my vehicle, I'll notice some condensation on the uh, on the cars and I'll, I'll notice that there's maybe even just a little chill in the air all of these things are helping us to understand that the summer season is fading now Paul wrote in this appeal to Philemon on behalf of his runaway slave Onesimus these words he says for perhaps he therefore departed for a season so I took the opportunity and the liberty to look up that word season 
the word season that is given to us here in verse number 15 is translated from the Greek word hora, H-O-R-A, which means, it, it could mean hour, it could mean day, it could mean distant, uh, uh, excuse me, instant, and it could mean time. So Paul was writing that the departure of Onesimus was, was a brief, albeit painful, season in Philemon's life. But that this, this season would eventually end and a reunion would be enjoyed between them because of what took place during this season. Now allow me to point out a few, uh, just a few general truths about seasons that I think are helpful for us to understand by way of introduction. Let me say, first of all, that seasons don't last forever. Seasons don't last forever. We know that. Seasons come and seasons go. Like a storm that sweeps over a region and eventually moves on, so, so seasons, they sweep over us and then they move on as well. Uh, this, is, uh, uh, this is maybe disappointing news as it relates to good seasons, isn't it? Now, for instance, some of you, some of you wonder, living here in Northeast Ohio, why does the winter season have to be so long and the summer season have to be so short? We'd like to hold on to the summer season for just a little bit longer if we can. So it's disappointing news as it relates to good seasons of life, uh, but it's, it's gives us hope, doesn't it, during the difficult seasons that a better day is coming. So we understand that seasons don't last forever. But let me also say this, number two, that seasons are easily discerned. I thought about bringing some, some props in with me uh, this evening. I think Brother Shetler was rubbing off on me just a little bit, uh, but uh, didn't, didn't quite get around to it. But I thought, I thought to myself, uh, if I were to show you certain, certain things, they would perhaps, they, they perhaps would, uh, we would associate them with certain seasons. For instance, if I were to, if I were to stand before you and I were to hold a, a, a rake, a leaf rake, what, what season would come to your mind? Fall. If I were to, if I were to wheel, if I were to wheel up a, a snowblower here on this platform, what season would you think of? We think of winter. If I were to, uh, I wouldn't stand before you in swimming trunks, but if I were to hold a pair of swimming trunks in front of you, you would think summer. That's, that's swimming. That's the summer season. Or perhaps if we were to maybe have a bicycle. We don't ride bikes typically during the winter. We ride them during the summer. If I were to, if I were to have maybe some, some seed, uh, perhaps maybe some flower seed or maybe some grass seed, we would, we would automatically think of the springtime season. And so understand that, that seasons are easily discerned. A spring is characterized by growth and rejuvenation. During the springtime, flowers begin to bloom, trees begin to bud, grass turns green and begins to grow again. Animals emerge from a period of hibernation and the weather begins to change from snow, ice and cold to maybe rain and warmer temperature. Summer is characterized by heat. It's characterized by longer days, children out of school and people traveling on vacation. Autumn or fall is a season of transition featuring beautiful colors, lowering temperature, school resuming, and the bringing in of a harvest. Of course, winter is a season of snow, ice, shorter days, and and quiet as most people during the winter season tend to shelter in their homes during that period of time. And so we can, we, we can, we can walk out of our, we can walk out of our houses and we can almost immediately know what season it is just by the way it feels outside. 
We can look at a calendar and we can discern what season we're in. We, here in Northeast Ohio, we can look at how people are dressed and we can know what season we're in. Seasons can be discerned by perhaps maybe a, uh, some, some music, unless you're one of those weirdos that likes to listen to Christmas music all year long. There are some of those people that exist. So seasons are easily discerned. But can I say number three, that seasons provide variety in our lives. Seasons provide variety in our lives. Can you imagine living in a place where the seasons never change? Some of you are like, I've already imagined that. Upon my retirement, that's where I'm going. I'm going somewhere where the seasons never change. I love the season that we're in currently, but you know there are some specific things I love about some of the other seasons too. I, lo- I like the structure of school beginning in the fall. You know, as a pastor, I, I feel like in some respects the summer tends to draw people from their normal routines and and uh, and, and and yet the start of school oftentimes settles folks down and. And people get back into their routines, including the routine of church. I love the beauty of false colors. And, and um, I love the holidays of winter and, and the beauty of a fresh snowfall. I love the hope that spring gives, that new life is on the horizon uh, after a long, harsh winter. And I think to myself, if all of life was summer, we would grow weary of every day being the same. You know, what makes a day so beautiful? Have you ever stopped to think about that? You might walk outside and you might say, it is a beautiful day. Well, what makes you say that? It's not just the sunshine and the temperatures that make you say that. No, what makes you say that is the fact that you've lived through some days that aren't so beautiful. So as a result, you walk outside and you say, it's a beautiful day. Well, a beautiful day compared to what? Beautiful day compared to yesterday. This is a beautiful season. Beautiful season compared to what? If everything was always the same, there would, there would be no, no, no beauty in it. We wouldn't know the difference. This is all that we would know. If every day was beautiful, we would not appreciate one over the other. So the four seasons we enjoy living, at least in Northeast Ohio, they add something known as variety to our lives. They're not something to be dismissed. It's part of God's plan for, uh, for, for this world, that there be different seasons and that our world and even our own physical bodies make the transition from one season to the next. Just as in other areas of life, so it is with seasons. What I'm saying is this, that the physical mirrors the spiritual. If we're being honest, we would admit that our Spiritual life, listen, our spiritual lives can be broken down into seasons too. They can be. The seasons of our spiritual lives aren't spring, summer, fall, and winter, but instead perhaps we can identify them as a season of growth, a season of flourishing, a season of joy. Maybe, maybe we can look at our lives and we say, right now I'm in a season of decline. I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but I'm in a season in which I feel like I'm declining in some way. Or maybe, maybe we say, I'm in a season of difficulty. God has allowed a trial into my life. I don't know exactly know why he's allowed it, but I'm in a season of difficulty right now. Perhaps maybe you're in a season of waiting. Perhaps you've come, gone to the Lord and you've said, Lord, here's what I believe I need, here's the next step I need to take. Lord, we would like to do this as a family. We'd like to do this as a church. We'd like to do this as a, as a company or as an individual. And yet, Lord, you have not opened the doors yet. I believe this is your will, but you haven't allowed it yet. So we're in a season of waiting. 
or maybe a season of searching. Sometimes maybe we're in a season of standing, standing for truth, standing against the, the wickedness and the tides of this, of this world. Uh, you could go on and on. We could list the various seasons. In some respects, I think all of life can be boiled down into the four seasons that we think of. Spring would represent the, the birth and the, the, uh, the, the sprouting up of, a, of an individual, the education, and, and, and they're growing and they're learning. And then they, they, they reach out the summer, and summer is full of potential of life. And perhaps in the summer they're getting married and they're beginning a career and, and, uh, and, they're, and they're discovering success and life is good. And then the fall shows up and perhaps maybe you look at them and they're beginning to, they're beginning to shift in the way that they look. You can tell the aging process is setting in and eventually we come to winter and what happens in winter? Well, things die in winter. I don't know where you perhaps might see yourself in the various seasons of life but but we're all we're all in one of those one of those seasons as it relates maybe to our age but can i also say that in a spiritual sense you are in a season right now if i were to ask you what season you were in right now most of you would be fairly quick to identify it that's why we said seasons are easily discerned if I were to come to you in a private moment, I wouldn't do this in front of everybody, but I'd say, what season are you living in right now? Some would say, oh, I'm in, I'm in a season of growth. Well, God is doing such work. By the way, I believe in some respects our church is in a season of growth. I think God is doing some things here, and there's a spirit here that is really, really exciting and thrilling, and I think, I think God's all over the thing, and I want to stay in this season as long as we can. But I also understand that churches don't, just as people don't stay in the same seasons forever, neither do churches. God has given us a golden opportunity to capitalize on perhaps this season that we're in. But if I were to ask you individually or ask your family, what season are you in? We're in a season of heartache, perhaps. We're in a season of waiting. Maybe I'm in a season of loneliness. I'm in a season of confusion. God's brought some things into my life, and I'm not exactly sure why. He hasn't he hasn't revealed or let me in on what it is that he's doing. I'm waiting on him. I'm hoping that he's going to clue me in on this at some point, but I'm, I'm just not sure. And can I just say that the various seasons of our spiritual journey, don't they also provide some level of variety to our lives? Uh, I mean, aren't you, aren't you glad that, aren't you, aren't you glad? Some of you would be just sort of disappointed to know that the season of growth that maybe you're in as an individual isn't going to last forever. But who can keep that kind of pace up, right? But some of you, perhaps you're, you're grateful when you hear that. Oh, you mean this season that I'm in that is sort of depressing and discouraging? It's not going to last forever. There's hope on the horizon. A better day is coming. I, I can get behind that. Praise the Lord for that. I don't know how long it's going to last. It feels like I've been in this long enough, but at some point, God's going to begin to bring me, transition me out of this season, and I look forward to that day. Now, with these introductory thoughts in mind, I want us to consider some, some lessons that can be learned about seasons by considering the individuals in our text in this particular passage. Can I say, number one, can I say, first of all, that God is at work. You need to understand that God is at work in every season of life. God is at work in every season of life. Now, we find some, some seasons, or at least it's the same season, but it was, it was certainly experienced and felt by these two individuals in a different way. Number one, I want you to consider with me that God was at work 
in Philemon's season of difficulty. Now, who had been offended in this text? Well, Philemon had been offended. Philemon was the one who, who, had, had, who had had things taken from him, and he'd had a, a slave run away from him. And so Philemon was the one that had been hurt in this particular story, in this particular scenario. So for Philemon, this was a season of difficulty. And yet, here's what we discover. Paul's writing, and Paul says, hey, listen, don't lose sight of this, that while you were suffering, while you were struggling, God was at work. Isn't that encouraging to know? That God is at work during, during Philemon's season of difficulty, though he could not have known it in this season of difficulty for Philemon. God was doing a great work. I, 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 I would imagine that Philemon wished perhaps that this season would have never happened to begin with. And, 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 and perhaps if you were to sit down and talk to him, okay, we're in this season, I can't control that, but I want this season to be over as soon as possible. But here's what he would find. He would find the pain that he endured in this season was but for a moment. And that pain would eventually fade, and that pain would lead to blessing and joy in the days to come. Can I say that this season began because of a runaway slave but God, God intended to use this season to do a transforming work in Onesimus' life. And Philemon would find that this work would give him much more than a slave, but in reality it would give him a brother in the future seasons of life that were to come. Never lose sight of this truth. Here it is, here it is, that God does a great work in our lives during seasons of difficulty. Why don't you hold your place if you would, here in Philemon. And go back with me to 2 Corinthians 12, would you? Because we see the Apostle Paul speaking the, a similar truth. It, it's, good to, it's good to see things in Scripture more than once. It builds our faith. And this is a familiar passage, but I want us to look at it if we can. 2 Corinthians chapter number 12. Of course, the Apostle Paul is talking about this experience that he'd had, a, a vision that he was allowed to see. And he talks about the fact that that, that in, as a result of this vision, through the abundance of the revelations, look what he says in verse number seven. Through the abundance of the revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. You know what that is? That's, that's called a season of difficulty. A thorn in the flesh. Some of you are dealing with a thorn in your flesh. It could be physical. It could be otherwise. It could be something else. It could be relational. But there's a thorn, there's something that is making you and your life just a little bit uncomfortable. And he says, I was given a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet me or to, or to pound on me, to beat me up. You know what that's called? That's called a season of difficulty. That's called a season of suffering. And every morning I wake up and I want to have a good day, but then I'm reminded, no, I've got, this, I've got this messenger of Satan who is pounding on me constantly. He won't let up. It just keeps happening. Notice he goes on to say, lest I should be exalted above measure. You know what God was doing? God was using this thorn in the flesh. God was doing a work in Paul's season of difficulty. What was this, what was this thorn in the flesh doing it wasn't just beating Paul up for the purpose of beating Paul up. No, Paul had come to realize, no, it was serving a purpose. It was keeping me from being exalted above measure. You know, I, I've, I've discovered that as a, as a pastor, and I learned this from my dad and, and other pastors, no doubt, but, but here's what they'll tell you. They'll tell you. They'll tell you the day after a great day, 
is usually pretty awful and pretty miserable. You know what I think that is? I think maybe that's just God. Because God, God knows that I'm, I'm, like, I'm like anybody else. Man, I, we could have a great day around here, and I could, I could walk out of this place, and I could think to myself, wow, well, look what I did. Look what, look what we did. Look what, look what me and the staff did. Boy, we, 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 boy we, we were on our game today. Boy, look at, do you see all the people that came forward? You know what I think God does? I think God says, hey, lest you should be exalted above measure, I'm going to pound you just a little bit on Monday. And he does. And he does many times. Could be in the form of an email. Could be a, uh, you know, could be a phone call. It, it, it could be something, you know. I mean, we could have hundreds of people in this building. And I'm not focused on the hundreds of people. I'm focused on the one person that's not here. I walk out of here and I think to myself, where were they and what's going on in their lives? And you know what that is? I think in some respects that's the messenger of Satan. That's the, but, it's, but it's also God. God is at work. And he's, you know what he's doing? He's keeping us from being exalted above measure. But notice, let's, let's continue reading. He says, for this thing I besought the Lord thrice. You know what he's saying? He's saying, Lord, let this season be over. Lord, would you turn off the snow? <laughs> Lord, no more ice storms. Lord, no more rain. You know, I'm done with the rainy season. Lord, can we, can we see the sunshine? You, know, you ever get there before? We've all been there, haven't we? I mean, it feels like, you know, certain seasons around here, we never see the sun. He says, for this, for this thing, I besought the Lord thrice, three times, Lord, Lord, would you end this season? That it might depart from me. And he said unto me, now notice, he said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know what he's saying? He's saying, listen, you can't be as strong as you ought to be apart, apart from seasons of difficulty. Because my strength, God's power, God's ability is only, listen, is only on full display when my ability is completely quenched. When, when, I cannot, when I cannot do anything on my own, it's in that moment. Do you ever, do you ever wonder why God conjured up the craziest plan ever at the, at the walls of Jericho? I mean, do you ever wonder about that? I mean, what did God tell them to do? He said, I want you to march around that thing one time every day for six days. And on day seven, I want you to march around seven times. Now, I have to think, I have to think as they were preparing to enter into the promised land. Boy, those, those, those Hebrew young men, those Hebrew warriors were probably lifting weights and they were, you know, they were using the slingshots and they were maybe working with rods and, and uh, developing weapons and that sort of thing, thinking to themselves, man, when we get in there, we, be, we gotta be ready to go. You know, they're crafting brass knuckles, you know, and they're developing, you know, all of these things to help them in what would have been modern warfare during that time. And God, sa- God, God said to them, God said, put all that stuff away. But the... Put the, put the sticks away. Put the arrows and the bows away if they were using those things. Put your slingshots away, boys. In fact, in fact, you know, all of you guys lifting all those weights, you're really not going to need much of that. Here's what I want you. I want you to just walk around the city. And on day seven, you're going to walk around it seven times, and then the priest is going to blow the trumpet, and you're all going to shout. Now, that doesn't sound like a very <laughs> strong battle plan, does it? Do you know what God was, God was doing? God was saying, my strength is made perfect in weakness. So long as you want your strength to be on display, I won't bring those walls down. You're gonna have to figure out another way in. It's gonna be a whole lot harder. But if you'll trust me, if you'll believe in me, and what did God do? 
People stood by and they watched. And God did it all. Why? Because God's strength is made perfect in weakness. Then he says this, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. You know what Paul's saying? Paul's saying, I've learned, I've learned during the season of difficulty not to be in such a hurry to get out of it. Well, that's a novel thought, isn't it? Why am I like this? I'm, I can't be the only person in this room. It's summer right now. And in about four months, I'm gonna be longing to be back in summer. But right now, I'm sort of sitting here saying, man, can football season get here any sooner? Man, can we start having some bonfires around here? And can we, can we start seeing the trees change colors? And can we get these kids back to school for crying out loud? I'm telling you, three months from now, I'm gonna be sitting here saying, oh, the days of summer were so nice. <laughs> why, why are we like that? It's human nature. Do you know what the Apostle Paul had learned? He had learned in whatsoever state I am. You know what he's saying? In whatsoever season I am. Just gonna be content. He's saying, I'm not so much in a hurry to get out of this season. In fact, I'm gonna, I, I, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be content to dwell here. Why? Because the power of Christ rests upon me during seasons of difficulty. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in the reproaches. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I'm okay with seasons of difficulty. I'm okay with it. I'm okay with distress. I'm okay with persecution. I'm okay with necessity and not having everything that I need. I'm okay with seasons of reproach. I'm okay with seasons of infirmities. Why? For Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. So, so listen, don't, don't lose sight. Don't lose sight of the fact that God is at work at every season of life and that sometimes God, listen, sometimes God does much more during seasons of difficulty than he does during seasons of leisure or seasons of rest. Number two, notice, not only is it God at work in Philemon's season of difficulty, but God was also at work in Onesimus's season of freedom. Now, now did you notice I put, the, I put the quotation marks around the word freedom there? And I did that on purpose. Because I don't believe that Onesimus was as free as he thought he was. You know what I've discovered? I've discovered that when I, um, when I go my own way, I often, I often do it with this premise or this idea that I just want to be free. I want to do my own thing. I don't want anybody to tell me what to do. And there's, I suppose there's some pleasure in going my own way for a moment. But you know what I discovered? I discovered that I'm not nearly as free as I think I am. Here's, the, here, here's, here's what I'm thinking about in Onesimus. He runs away from, uh, from Philemon. And he's in search of a better life. He's got his freedom. I don't, have to, I don't have to listen to Philemon anymore. He's not gonna tell me what to do. But don't you suppose, don't you suppose that every moment just about of every day he was looking over his shoulder, wondering, if I, is anybody ever gonna find me? Am I ever gonna get caught? I, I personally believe he went to Rome, which is where Paul was, which is where he met Paul. I think he probably went to Rome because Rome was the biggest city around. And if I could just get into Rome, I could sort of just blend in and don't you suppose, you know, everybody's got to look alike somewhere. And I, I just have to imagine a few, on a few occasions, Onesimus looks around and he thinks he's seeing Philemon over there. Onesimus wasn't nearly as free as he thought he was. But this was a season of freedom, as it were, uh, for Onesimus. And yet, and yet he, he would find a new life in this season, wouldn't he? But this new life sure didn't look like what he thought it was going to look like while enjoying his season of freedom he meets paul and he's saved by the blood of jesus christ 
This was a season of rebellion and sinfulness in Onesimus' life. Can I I say that we often worry, and by the way, I, I think we probably should worry. We should fear when people we love enter into seasons of rebellion and wickedness. And that's where Onesimus was. You know, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. You have someone you love who's pursuing sin and wickedness with all of their heart, then you ought to be a little concerned about them, shouldn't you be? Why? Because the wages of sin is death. You keep going down that path and it's going to destroy some things. It's going to kill some things. Might kill you physically, but perhaps it's going to kill our relationship, our fellowship with one another. I said the Bible also teaches that the pleasures of sin are only for a season. You know what the Bible says about Moses? The Bible says about him in Hebrews eleven twenty five that he chose rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. That's why, that's why I said this season of freedom. Wasn't, he wasn't nearly as free as he thought he was. Because he ran away, he got what he wanted, but I don't suppose he probably was as happy as he thought he was going to be. Now, now it's up to him to you know, make his own living, provide for his own needs. Living with Philemon, perhaps there was a meal served every day. There was a roof over his head. There was a bed to sleep in. And uh, Philemon, being a believer, seems like a godly man. I, I would imagine that he probably took pretty good care of his slaves and his servants. And, uh, and, and now all of a sudden, he's out from underneath of that. Now he's got to provide for his own, his own things. I'm reminded of the children of Israel. You know, when they, when they left Egypt, they were clamoring to get out of that bondage. But they got out into the wilderness, and then they said this, we, we wish we'd go back. Oh, man, we remember, we remember being in Egypt. We remember the flesh pots and the leeks and the garlics. We remember all of those things. No, you were miserable in Egypt. That's how human nature tends to be. There are pleasures in sin, but only for a season. Well, this is what the Bible says in Job 20, verses 4 and 5. Knowest thou not this of old? In other words, this truth that, that Job is getting ready to give us is as old as time. Now, I, I mean, this is a principle that, that is always true. Here, here, here's the principle. It says, no, thou not this of old since man was placed upon earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short and the joy of the hypocrite but for a moment. You could substitute, you could substitute short and moment for the word season. The triumphing of the wicked is just for a season. The joy of the hypocrite is just for a season. You know, the prodigal son enjoyed his freedom, didn't he? What was God doing? God used that season in his life. The Bible tells us that he came to himself at the end of that season. He realized what a mess he'd made out of his life. Then he realized, you know, all that fun that I had wasn't nearly as much fun as I thought it was going to be, and it did not provide me with lasting satisfaction, and now I've spent it all and I have nothing left. Never forget that God, listen, God is just as capable of working in one season as he is in another. I was thinking to myself as I was preparing for tonight that we refer to the summer around here as orange barrel season, don't we? And they're everywhere. They're everywhere, the orange barrels. I mean, they're all over Brook Park Road, Ridge Road, and you, you, you know that. I don't have to tell you that. It's miserable. But you know what I've discovered? I've discovered, you know, we don't, um, ODOT doesn't do much road construction during January, do they? No, there's, there's, a, there's a season, and, and so they have, to, they have to get as much done as they possibly can because there's a season. There's a season in which they can do that kind of job. But I want you to understand that our God is not bound like ODOT is bound. 
Our God doesn't, 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 need, doesn't need the conditions to be perfect for him to do his work. In fact, in fact, God's greatest work is often done during seasons of distress and seasons of difficulty. So understand that God is at work in every season of life. But number two, notice that faithfulness, you need to understand that faithfulness is the standard in every season of life. Faithfulness. What does God, God expect out of you in the season that you're in? Can you identify what season you're in right now? Can you figure it out? I'm in a season of waiting. I'm in a season of loneliness. I'm in a season of depression and discouragement. I'm in a season of growth and joy and blessing. What is the standard? What is, what's God's expectation for you? God's expectation is for all of us to be faithful in every season of life. Notice, notice the two men that are, are identified in our story. Number one is Philemon. You know what I discovered? I discovered that Philemon remained faithful in his season of difficulty. Now, we don't have time to go all the way back to the beginning of this letter. We covered it in a, in a previous message. But it's pretty obvious from Paul's introduction to this letter that despite the pain and heartache that he had endured as a result of Onesimus leaving, Philemon had remained faithful. The church continued to meet in his house. We, we learned of that in verse number two. He continued to love his wife and his family, according to verse number two. The love and faith he had for and in Jesus remained a constant in his life, according to verse number five. And his spirit of refreshing others did not dissipate, according to verse number seven. Though he was in a season of difficulty, he, he continued doing all of the things that he had done previously. And Paul praises him for the way that he lives. You know as well as I do that uh, the seasons that we go through oftentimes tend to sort of disrupt our mood. You ever walk into work and, you know, you give the normal pleasantries in the morning and somebody just kind of barks at you? And you ask yourself the question, man, what, what happened to him? Man, he must have woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And what's happening? Probably, probably he's had a bad day. Maybe the car didn't start. Well, that's a bummer, isn't it? Maybe he ran out of gas on his way to work. Maybe, you know, maybe he did the bills and he doesn't have enough money to, 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 to cover everything. You know, who knows? What, maybe he's got news that, that, a, that a family member is sick and, and perhaps going to die. I, who knows what it could be? But doesn't, doesn't, that, doesn't that oftentimes alter or affect our general disposition? Seasons of difficulty? And that may be the way the world lives, but that ought not to be the way that the people of God live. No, the standard, listen, the standard for God's people in every season of life is faithfulness. Many will allow the difficult seasons of life to distract them from their purpose and to rob them of their joy. But Philemon remained committed to these things. And I'm just gonna tell you, listen, the devil is gonna lie to you during seasons of life. If you're in a season of growth and joy, he's gonna tell you, he's gonna tell you it's always gonna be this way. You're never gonna have another bad day. And if you do, it's God's fault. And if you're in a season of difficulty or waiting or loneliness or whatever it might be, the devil's going to be whispering in your ear, see, does your, do you think your God really cares about you? If your God really cared, doesn't he have the power to bring you out of this? Your God doesn't really. And I'm just going to tell you, listen, you're not going to make the decision tonight. Tonight, we're not going to listen to the devil's lies during these seasons. The devil's going to say, you know, you, know you, 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 you went into church and you're in a season of difficulty and nobody mentioned it. The truth of the matter is people may not even know you're in a season of difficulty. They may not be aware of that. But the devil's gonna use it. See, that? those people don't care about you. That church is full of a bunch of hypocrites. Do something else. Get out of church altogether. Nobody cares. You don't have to determine. I'm not gonna listen to the devil's lies during these seasons of difficulty. Notice, not only did Philemon remain faithful in his season of difficulty, but, 
There's another individual who remained faithful in a season of difficulty. His name is Paul. How does Paul refer to himself in verse number one? I mean, right off the bat, he calls himself a prisoner. Prisoner. What's he doing in his bonds? Well, if it were me, I'd be bummed out. I'd be depressed and discouraged. I'd be uncomfortable. I'd be agitated. I'd be angry. Is Paul any of those things? Well, maybe from time to time. Notice, notice what he's doing in his bonds. He's, he's faithful to the Lord. He's faithful to his calling. Look what he says in verse number 10. He says, I beseech you for my son Onesimus, whom I have begotten in my bonds. Paul, what are you doing in your, in your season of difficulty? I'm just winning people to Christ. Well, you're in prison. Well, that's all right. There's lost people in prison too. I need to be saved. I may not be able to travel to Ephesus and Corinth and Philippi and Colossae like I, I, I did previously, but God has me here for a reason. I might as well win the people to Christ that are here. Onesimus comes his way. What does Paul do? Paul preaches the gospel to him and Onesimus gets saved. He says, does it really matter that you remain faithful during seasons of difficulty? Why don't you ask Onesimus that? Had Paul gotten distracted and gotten off course and gotten bitter and angry, what would have happened? Onesimus probably would have never heard the gospel. Why don't you ask the Philippian jailer that? Because in Acts 16, Paul and Silas have been beaten. They've got stripes. The Bible says that they begin to sing at midnight. And what happens later in the chapter? A Philippian jailer gets saved and his whole family. Does it matter that you remain faithful in seasons of difficulty? You better believe it matters that you remain faithful during seasons of difficulty. The devil's gonna try to get you off track. He'll tempt you to quit reading your Bible. He'll tempt you to quit going to church. He'll tempt you to quit ministering to the Lord. He'll tempt you to quit giving sacrificially, saying you can't afford to do this, but I'm here to tell you that you can and you should stay faithful regardless of the season you are in. That's the standard. That's the standard for God's people. Philemon proved it can be done. Paul proved it can be done. And a host of other Bible characters and even real life modern day examples prove that you can stay faithful during seasons of difficulty. Number three, and finally, the seasons of life bring significant change. Just as winter brings snow, spring brings green, summer brings lengthened days and warm temperatures, and autumn brings a cool breeze and beautiful colors, the seasons of our life bring about significant change as well. This season experienced by Onesimus and Philemon brought the potential for significant change in their future relationship. In other words, what God did in this season would change forever the way that they would look at one another and the way that they referred to one another. Likely they thought that if they would ever to see one another again, it would be a very awkward, unpleasant encounter, but God had other plans. You see, prior to the season, Onesimus was a slave. That's what he was. Before, before, before this season came, came into, into their lives, Onesimus was nothing but a slave. He was Philemon's property, used to do whatever work was to be done. Again, we would assume that this relationship was mostly business-oriented. That was the relationship that they enjoyed. But notice what Paul makes an appeal for in verse number 15. He says, for perhaps he therefore departed for a season. Maybe God let this season in your life here, here's why. So that thou shouldest receive him forever, not as a slave, not as a servant, but above a servant, a brother beloved. This season, listen, this season that they endured brought a new level to their relationship. Onesimus trusted Christ during this season. A new wind began to blow in Onesimus' life. 
Things that had long been dead began to grow. He was adopted into a new family. Interesting enough, a family that included his former master. His priorities and passions shifted dramatically in the season. And when Philemon learned of Onesimus' decision, he was faced with a key decision of his own. Paul urged him to forgive Onesimus and receive him, not simply as a slave as he was before this season, but receive him now as a brother. Why? Because the seasons of our lives bring significant change to us. Some of you, you can look back over your life and you can think of seasons that you went through and you can think to yourself, boy, I'm not nearly the person now that I was before I went into that season. God's doing a work. God's using the seasons to transform us. God redeemed this season. What was a season of difficulty and what was a season of freedom? God redeemed it for the conversion of Onesimus' lost soul. And now he's in a position to either receive him back as a slave or receive him back as something much more than a slave. So we conclude tonight, what season are you in? Do you know? You've had about 35, 40 minutes to think about it. Maybe make a mental note. I'm in the season of this. I'm in the season of that. Believe, listen, believe God will work. God sent me here to tell you tonight, believe God will work no matter what season you're in. Because the devil will tell you God can't, God can't use you during the season. God doesn't need you during the season. God's put you on the shelf. No, 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 God, God can work no matter what season we're in. Let me also say this, demand, listen, demand out of yourself personal faithfulness no matter what season you find yourself. Don't, 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 don't listen to the devil. The devil's gonna tell you, you know, it's time to drop out of church. Life's too hard for you to deal with all of this and go to church too. It's time, you know, it's time to give up that Sunday school class. It's time to give up that bus route. It's time to slip out of the choir. You've got too much going on. Look at you, look at you, look in the mirror. You look so tired and run down. No, 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 it's, it's, not, it's, not, time to, it's not time to start giving things up. It's time to stay faithful. Philemon stayed faithful. Paul stayed faithful. So can you. Understand that the season you are in was likely designed by God to bring significant change to your life and the lives of those around you. Do not resist this change, but rather embrace it and thank God for it. Our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed. We use this time at the conclusion, just before I pray, to just take maybe a personal assessment of where we are. Why don't we do that right now? What season are you in? In a season of growth, Wonderful, but it won't last forever. Enjoy it, capitalize on it, get as much as you can out of it. Season of difficulty, praise the Lord, it won't last forever. Endure it, stay faithful. Season of waiting, well, I understand that. Season of poverty, struggling to make ends meet, I get it. Probably won't last forever. Feels like it will. Feels like we'll never get out of it, but God's at work. Trust him, trust him. Why don't you give it to the Lord tonight? Lord, this is the season you've identified it in my life. Well, whatever you want to teach me in this season, whatever you want to get out of this season, I, I yield it to you. Lord, help me to stay faithful no matter what season I'm in. And Lord, whatever change you bring, may I embrace it. And may I become a better person as a result of this season. Father,